Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. It is week seven, your Detroit Lions. Let me make sure I get this right because I'm not used to counting this many wins this early in the season. Five and one. That's five. That's right. I just need to pull the five out of my backpack. Five, five and one. And they're facing a very good Ravens team this week. And we are going to break it all down for you here. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit online with me as always is senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter X, whatever. It's Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how are we doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, for those of you who are not enjoying this visual medium, I'm wearing my Super Bowl XL pullover. Do mm. you remember that Super Bowl? I do. In Detroit. Steelers. Yeah, Steelers, Seahawks in Detroit. Yeah. The, the last oh. time Detroit and Super Bowl were, were connected, but maybe that streak comes to an end. Is that is that the message you're trying to send? I think you should kick it over to our guest. Okay. Let, let the people connect the dots. <laughs> yes. As always, we like to bring in a guest from the opposite side of the aisle, so to speak. Uh, this man is no exception. He is the managing editor for SB Nation's Baltimore Beatdown and a freelancer for the Baltimore Ravens. He's at Kyle P. Barber on Twitter. It's Kyle Barber is back. Kyle, how are we doing, bud? What's going on, gang? Oh, boy. <laughs> I got to be back with you, boys. That's right. Great. You're feeling good, apparently. I love hanging out with you guys. I love you. I love my best friend, Ryan. This is going to be a phenomenal show. We got to spend time together instead of getting roped into one of your guys' streams because, oh, man, your fans just keep wanting to have me. Now I get to be here because you guys want me here. It's wonderful. Obligated, I would say. Not sure want, but obligated. Want me here. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Kyle, uh, let's jump into this. Uh, let's let's talk as we always do with the opponent's offense first. And uh, interesting year so far for Lamar Jackson. Uh, they get the the offseason deal done. I'm sure that was a really fun offseason for you having to deal with contract uh, drama for for four or five months, whatever it went on for. But um, comes out this year and and playing some really good football and playing a little bit of different football than maybe we've seen in the past. Um, a couple lines coaches have mentioned it already this week, but a lot of inside the pocket stuff from Lamar Jackson and a lot of, I would say impressive throwing, um, which, which I think has silenced a, a lot of doubters, but um, let me ask you like, first of all, why? Like, and it's not that they're taking away his running game. Like he still has a ton of running yards, but um I guess, why do you think that the, the Ravens are maybe focused more on keeping him in the pocket as, as a drop back passer? I think the main reason is due to how much they relied on him as a runner in years past. In Greg Roman's offensive system, running the football is the primary goal and then passing is secondary or complementary to the running game. So having Lamar Jackson, who is a a full-fledged NFL quarterback who proved it in 2019 when he won the second-ever unanimous MVP award, proved that he's a passer. If you need more proof than that, you're not ever going to find it because you're not actually going to allow yourself to see it. But whatever. Nonetheless, no, oh, preach. I thought you said, said that's a reach. I thought you said no, he's reach. Pre- he's not on preach. your side. Don't get like, so defensive. I was like, all right, Ryan and I are fighting. <laughs> no, no. Preach, uh, yes, man. Thank preach. You. Thank you. So uh, the Ravens have not been a passing offense since Lamar was really here, since they had Greg Roman added. They had passing opportunities in it. Yes, you saw how he performed with Mark Andrews. You saw how he performed with Marquise Hollywood Brown, but they never had a full fledged passing scheme. A lot of teams would talk about how if you just guard 89 and five, which were Andrews and Brown's respectively, then you shut down their passing system. They didn't have anybody. Now they have more than enough weapons and what they've added over the off season, which was uh, Nelson Aguilar, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers. They get Rashad Bateman back healthy. That's four former first round wide receivers. And you bring in a coordinator that is more, comprehensive in passing the football. It wasn't that Lamar wasn't passing previously, but now you have a full-fledged passing offense that is more complementary to the modern NFL. Okay. Well, from there, I have more questions to ask you, Kyle. 
because um, as as previously understood, I'm telling you to preach, right? Like, and, and I ask you this, and it's kind of weird because I already exchanged questions with you for five questions that we did on the website. But like, let's talk a little bit more Lamar because I feel like even though he's getting some rub, he, his traditional box score numbers aren't eye popping, right? It's like five passing touchdowns, four interceptions, but like the dude is having an MVP season without putting up MVP numbers. If that makes any sense to anybody who's listening and, and Kyle's nodding his head in agreement. So like, um, let, let's jump ahead to the, to the receivers though. Like you talked about OBJ, you talked about Rashad Bateman, you talked about Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews. There's lots of talent, lots of potential, but the production seems underwhelming. Like, do you agree, disagree with that? And why is that the case? I agree. Uh, the Ravens have not produced a full four quarters of sustained offensive production. Uh, Todd Munkin today, when we asked about it, spoke on how they have yet to really put everything together. He's not pleased with how the offense is. When he was asked, are you pleased with how you've you've come together in the first six weeks of the NFL? He said, pleased isn't the word that I would describe it as because they haven't done enough they've been successful they are three and two they could arguably be five and oh uh if not for two complete meltdowns of their own doing but uh overall I, you know a lot of it has to do with uh just the offense not delivering consistently they are some of the best they're one of the best offenses to begin uh, each game they have scored first in each of their first five contests. The problem is they have yet to sustain that as the games go on, the offense seems to struggle more and more. And by the fourth quarter, they're one of the lowest ranked offenses by success rate and uh, EPA and yards per attempt. So it's a problem that uh, uh, it's, that's yet to, uh, to uh, really deliver. Do you, do you have an explanation of, of why? Like, why is that happening? Are they <clears throat> are they running out of gas? Is it a new system? They're just struggling with consistency. I guess, I guess part of it, it to me is like Brian just kind of listed it all off. Like the, Lamar Jackson, if you're watching the games, looks outstanding, but those stats don't match it. And so people th- that don't watch the games at box score stats are like, okay, why is everyone saying Lamar's so good? He's, his his stats are so bad. So where's where's the disconnect happening? Why why can't the the Ravens put together a full f- four quarters? Right. Uh, one of the biggest things is in the Steelers game, the the Ravens had one of the excuse me, not the Ravens. Lamar Jackson probably had his best game throwing the football that I've ever seen. Uh, efficient. Uh, consistently hit his targets and not just in their area, but in stride or where he could protect it from the, the opposition and the Ravens dropped seven footballs. Zay flowers dropped two. Rashad Bateman dropped one in the end zone. Mark Andrews then dropped one in the end zone. Nelson Aguilar dropped a deep route. That would have been at least a 60 yard touchdown. Uh, Odell Beckham jr. Dropped one. Suddenly it became this incredibly contagious, uh, problem that overshadowed Lamar, who would have had easily over 300 yards in four to five passing touchdowns. Uh, they did it just purely of where they caught the ball and got gained zero extra yards after the catch, uh, that he would have been well over 300 and had four touchdowns uh, just because of how solid he's looked as a receiver, as a, as a passer and as a quarterback. Uh, he's using a lot more efficient throws. They're doing more wide receiver screens, which is certainly a reason for uh higher completion percentages uh and uh shorter throws because they have guys that can get open in quick short bursts and you know and um that's been an area that they're they have the talent to maximize that area zay flowers is a explosive wide receiver uh his agility his stop start speed getting him the ball in space as a as under screen options and having one guy come out you know for blocking and and, in those bubble screen options uh, that's something that is allowing them to find success but it's not enough and that's why the box scores doesn't don't look gaudy that's why they suddenly struggle uh, later on, and and I don't think it's exhaustion; it's consistency. You know, it's it's a very frustrating thing because they'll 
get behind the sticks on a first down when they go for a run, they'll run it on first down. It goes for one or fewer yards can go negative yardage. And suddenly they can't be aggressive like they are in the opening scripts of the first quarter where they're marching down the field. They're going hurry up. They know what they want. They get the looks that they want uh, and the like. Another area of where Lamar has been successful, but it doesn't show on the stat board, is his ability to audible at the line of scrimmage. Uh, two of the biggest plays from last week were audibles that he did. He audibled for the Odell Beckham catch on the slant route that went for 32 yards, I believe. He audibled for a Nelson Aguilar play that went for another 20-plus. Uh, those were the two biggest plays of the game until he connected with uh, Mark Mark Andrews down the seam uh, against the uh, Tennessee Titans in London. So that that's why it's been um, – he's looked good. Things have been successful, but they're not sustaining it. A lot of it's just consistency and and they'll get behind the sticks. And I think a little bit of it is also panicking. Uh, if we wanted to talk more in depth on that, as soon as there's a turnover, you can start to see the wheels kind of fall off and they, you know, in a hockey term, start to grip the stick too tight. They start to get stressed out and they and they overcorrect as players, I think, as coaches. I haven't seen as much of that, but there's certainly been some conservative play calling at times. Mm. Well, I think for so long too, Kyle, as you mentioned uh, earlier, you know, in the Ravens teams of yesteryear, it was a lot of uh, ground and pound. It's we run the ball to set up the pass. And, you know, going to going to your point that you were talking about in terms of, you know, in the first half, the Ravens are rushing at 4.9 yards per carry. In the second half, it's 3.6 yards per carry. I don't know how much of that has to do with the fact that you lose J.K. Dobbins in, in you know, week one to an Achilles injury and how you pick up the pieces from that. But like looking through the rest of the roster, like they're speaking of yesteryear, there's a lot of running backs from yesteryear. Melvin Gordon is getting carries. <laughs> Kenyon Drake is playing. You know what I mean? So like how have the Ravens kind of picked up the pieces of the running game? And I mean, they rank really high in DVOA. I mean, like their, their rushing rank is fourth. Is that a product of Lamar Jackson is, you know, still doing some things as, as a, you know, a rushing quarterback or where, where are the wheels kind of falling off for that Ravens ground game in the second half? A lot of it is simply having the most dynamic rushing quarterback in NFL history. I mean, that alone is going to add an extra half yard to a full yard per carry attempt, just as a, a not only for himself or or as a team, but for the running backs, you know, having him always as a threat on the options and on the handoffs amount to the Ravens getting just even the split second difference to push past and get an extra half yard to a full yard. It feels like just mathematically, but in the wake of Dobbins' injury, Justice Hill has been a player that's stepped up. He was a former fourth-round pick by the Ravens. Uh, he was also a guy that got injured, and uh, and he's returned back from... He also suffered an Achilles tear in the same year that both Dobbins and Gus Edwards suffered their knee injuries. So uh, that, that was two years ago. So that he's, he's fully healthy, and he's been primed really well. His speed off the edge complements a more... Uh, pass centric offense and a more spread out offense rather than Gus Edwards, who is, uh, you know, just uh, essentially Derrick Henry light and uh, in how he's uh, averaged almost five yards a carry his entire career and his performance as a runner. So those two have been the big compliments of not having J.K. Dobbins is having those two. Uh, like you said, Melvin Gordon's getting carries, and so did Kenyon Drake, and they're trying to figure out what to do in, in their long term because when one more of those guys goes down, which the Ravens have, I hate to say it, like some injury-prone guys there. Gus Edwards, after that knee injury, has not been 100% the same. He's still performed admirably and has looked good through this season, but it hasn't been the same. Justice Hill came off the Achilles tear two years ago, and he still deals with some nagging injuries every now and again, so you got to be able to bring other guys in. And the veterans like those two uh, we mentioned are options. Uh, Kenyon Drake was waived this week, though, because the Ravens are getting Keaton Mitchell uh, from ECU uh, uh, back from uh, 
IR designated to return. He suffered an injury during the final preseason game, and uh, he has now returned. He played in last week, but he played exclusively special team snaps. But head coach John Harbaugh mentioned uh, during the Monday press conference, we asked if he wants him to get more involved as a runner and, uh, and involved in the offense, and that's something he hopes because he has a lot of speed off of the edge, and uh, I think he is uh, a darn talented, uh, fast guy that can complement this offense. Well, the Lions obviously have statistically, if you're going yard by yardage, that the best run defense in the league um, really stout up the middle in particular. Um, tell me about the interior of, of the Ravens offensive line and, and how you think they might match up against the Lions run defense. Yeah, the Ravens interior has talented guys, but uh, a little bit of question marks when it comes to uh, um, consistency, I would say. Um, or just having that that game-changing factor that you don't often see with interior guards. You know, there's not many guards that you go, that guy's a game-changer, you know, but the Ravens have some good guys there. Uh, starting at center, though, we'll go first, is Tyler Linderbaum. He was drafted in the first round last season, uh, and he has taken yet another really big step up. You know, he was one of the highest graded uh, centers over the last decade. And a lot of people called him, you know, a surefire pro bowler, but uh, size kind of turns you off of him because when you see offensive linemen that are, Six eight, six five, uh, three fifty. You see a center that is uh, much smaller than that. You know he's sitting right around three hundred pounds, three oh five, and uh, has no aims to get any bigger. He's just uh, a pure technician, and running. Run blocking is his specialty. Uh, he is far superior at that than pass blocking, though he has taken a, a definite leap forward from that from last year. Last year he was ranked like 26th in pass blocking, but uh, he's taken a step up. Uh, he struggles against really big defensive tackles. You know, people that whooped him last year were Quinnen Williams, Vita Vea, you know, Cameron Hayward, the really big name talented uh, defensive tackles. So that's all going to depend on the performance from the defensive line of the Detroit Lions. But uh, in regards to that, the the run blocking, that, that's something that you can be confident in Tyler Linderbaum if you're a Ravens fan, uh, and that'll be a good competition for this game for sure. On the guards, you do have John Simpson, who was brought in as a free agent uh, from last year. He's been consistent. Nothing exciting to write home about, but nothing that's you know causing uh destruction for the Ravens offensive production. Uh he's just a, a you know a cliche you don't hear his name called he's doing a good job kind of player. And on at right guard you have Kevin Zeitler who is infamously known as a guy who gets snubbed from the Pro Bowl just about every year to where um his wife even mentions it uh each week that uh um each year, excuse me, that she can't wait for, she can't, uh, she's looking forward to yet another year of uh, Pro Bowl article snubs featuring her husband lists <laughs> on uh, on websites. So, you know, the interior of the Ravens offensive front is is solid. I won't say they're outstanding, but I think they're good. But Zeitler's shown a little bit of age. Uh, at least he did through the first few weeks. The last two, he he's looked to have turned a corner, but We'll see what happens when you go up against one of the best in the NFL. I, I think the last question I have for you, Kyle, and it's something that's probably at the forefront of a lot of Lions fans, um, you know, thoughts as we head into this week here against the Ravens is the age old question of what is Aaron Glenn going to do to prepare for a mobile quarterback? And, and it's not just, a, you know, it's not Geno Smith mobility, right? It's not Desmond Ritter mobility. <laughs> it's we're, we're talking about, as you said, one of the, maybe if not the greatest running quarterback of all time in Lamar Jackson. So I, I, I guess I want to ask the question from this perspective, Jeremy, too, is that the Lions are a team that does not blitz very often, right? They, right. I mean, they, they are a team that does not send extra defenders. Have you noticed this year, Kyle, is Lamar more affected as a passer when they send extra pressure? Um, when When teams throw an extra defender at Lamar, does it seem like pass defenses could hold up a little bit better against Lamar when they, when they have that added pressure? Right. Uh, last year, cover zero blitz schemes were the bane of the Ravens offensive uh, weaknesses. It 
was something that was recognized in a primetime game against the Dolphins, where the Dolphins sent cover zero, I believe, 20 plus times in that game. And it just debilitated the Ravens offense. Since then, head coach Harbaugh has uh, worked very hard to try and remedy the situation. And they switched offensive coordinators, I think, probably because of the struggles there and, uh, you know, a litany of other issues that uh, just fans were kind of fed up with with the uh, the coordinator and the Ravens needed a, a, you know, new, a fresh face in that position. Through the first six weeks, I think that the Ravens have done well against the Blitz, at least far superior to what they did in previous. But I think that there's still problems with Jackson against the Blitz. I think if you you sit back, Jackson's going to be able to eventually find something. This is uh, an area that uh, aggressiveness, being a sword is superior than being a shield as, uh, as a defensive unit. And the Lions might have to get a little uncomfortable if you're saying that they blitz so infrequently that they might have to start sending extra guys. But you have enough talent on the edge, I believe, uh, the Detroit Lions defense has enough talent on the ends to where you can only send four and still get home. That's a huge success. Any defense is successful when you can send four and get there. But if you have five going if you have six suddenly you know there's only so much time jackson can get and yes he's gonna make a play or two he's gonna escape he's gonna evade he's one of the most elusive players i think in in the nfl right now uh but i think you're also gonna get yours too and and if you can stop a second and eight and turn that into a third and 13 that's where the lions can really sit back on four and, and find something to gain but overall I think uh, as a defense, you might see more blitzing from the Lions than in weeks past. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting dilemma, right? Because if you send blitz and you run past him or it doesn't get there, Lamar's going to make you hurt. And that's why I think, you know, the Lions didn't pass with with other mobile quarterbacks. And and Ryan pointed out, you know, they haven't faced a mobile quarterback like this probably since they faced Lamar Jackson in 2021. But their, their game plan is typically like, Contain, contain, just don't let him out of the pocket, slowly close in around him and hopefully you get the pressure around him. And you have to wonder if that's going to be the the game plan again this week. Um, last thing before we had to do our break and, and, and switch things around here, Kyle. Um, obviously, the Lions are, are having a, a, fata- and fa- a fantastic year defensively. You got Aiden Hutchinson. Brian Branch is, is expected to come back this week. Um, you know, a, a bunch of leaders in the secondary. Alex Anzalone is having a career year. What? If you were the the Ravens offensive coordinator, and and I hope that one day you will be, what is the one thing that scares you the most about this Lions defense this week? I mentioned this in uh, Ryan and I's five questions, which you can check out on prideofdetroit.com. Hold on. Uh, is uh, uh, Aiden Plug. Hutchinson. <laughs> Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. I think that his ability as a rusher is, is showing significant growth. Uh, and in the few things that I've watched, so I'm assuming uh, Lions fans are loving what they've been seeing, watching every single play from him. Uh, he lines up primarily from what I saw as a Leo or the left outside linebacker. So yep. he's going up against a lot of right tackles. Yep. Uh, the Ravens have a solid right tackle. I'd argue probably a top 10 guy among right tackles in uh, Morgan Moses. Uh, he's been, you know, a stalwart uh, beacon of health. He finally had to break his uh, his uh, con- games con- uh, consecutive streak due to an injury. And he's a tough guy. So to take him out for a game and to break that streak was crazy. And he was back the next week and he's all ready to roll. Uh, he's a solid player, but mercy going against Hutchinson is not an easy feat. So I expect the Ravens to do a lot of game planning surrounding that adding a tight end there on the edge, adding Patrick Ricard, who's uh, you know, a 350 pound fullback to, to be a hammer and an extra offensive lineman, maybe bringing in an extra offensive lineman, you know, scheming around chip blocks and double teams to remove him from the equation, because it's that classic bill Belichick thing, you know, negate the best player on their defense, let everybody else be, him but don't let that guy because if you let Aiden Hutchinson beat you he will do that so that's the guy that I think is is most concerning for the Ravens fair enough all right let's take a break when we come back we're going to flip the script we're going to talk about the Lions offense against the Ravens defense uh another strength for strength matchup uh as we preview week seven here Lions versus Ravens here on first bite we'll be right back 
And we are back here on First Bite, breaking down Lions versus Ravens. Big NFC-AFC matchup of Week 7. Uh, Kyle Barber of Baltimore Beatdown is here with us. And Balt- is it just, it's just Ravens.com or is it BaltimoreRavens.com? It is BaltimoreRavens.com. All right. Well, he contributes there a little bit as well. Uh, we talked about the, the Ravens offense. Let's move to their defense. Um, probably inarguably their better unit, but obviously they got a pretty good offense as well. Lions offense, probably their better unit as well. So big matchup here. Um, I mean, let's just run down the, the Ravens resume here. They're second in overall DVOA, third against the pass, seven against the run. Where where is there a weakness? Is there a weakness? Where where is there an opportunity to exploit and follow up? No, you know, actually just answer that one first. We'll we'll follow up later. Uh, as for the Ravens defense, uh, I think they are what the numbers say, which is which are one of the best defenses in the NFL. They've been, you know, you 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 gave all the numbers to it, but as for weaknesses, very few. A lot of it comes down to injuries. The Ravens, when healthy, have studs across the defensive line, at outside linebacker, inside linebacker for sure. Cornerbacks, they have some talent. And safeties, they arguably have the best safety tandem when both Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton are healthy. I mean, and then they run three safety looks and Geno Stone is involved in it. So when healthy, they have a lot of talent. But right now, Marcus Williams is not healthy. Uh, He's dealing with a torn pec that he's just kind of toughing out instead of opting for surgery. Uh, It was pretty recognizable last week when uh, going up against Derrick Henry and he's attempting to tackle him with one arm. You know, it's not pretty. Uh, And so they have Geno Stone in there more frequently now, especially because he suffered a a, a knee slash hamstring injury when um, somebody kind of fell into his leg uh, midway through the, uh, the London game. But the Ravens are a fast cerebral defense that I think are just solid all across. Um, the lions are going to have their hands full just as much as the, as the Ravens are going to have the handful against this kind of offense. You know, I think this is their greatest cha- challenge. I don't think they've been challenged too much as a defense, but uh the uh, depth is solid everywhere, but I'd say cornerback. I think uh, that's where the Lions could thrive. If there's any weakness, it's going to be in the cornerback depth. Marlon Humphrey is a darn good talent. Uh, Brandon Stevens has stepped up a lot this season, but uh, that third corner, uh, who's usually splitting snaps between veterans Ronald Darby and Rock Yassin, uh, they have kind of flip flopped in between being consistent. You know, being in, they're, they're inconsistent. Uh, they'll have great games, they'll have great uh, series, and then they'll struggle and let up a, a third down reception or a big play. So that's an area to uh, pay attention to. And speaking of Ronald Darby was absent of today's practice, which he was not absent yesterday. So this is a new absence. We couldn't hear about it because Harbaugh was not scheduled to speak. So we'll have to find out more of that tomorrow or on Friday. It was listed as an illness, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's an illness. Yeah, my apologies. Yeah. Jeremy, ask your follow up question. My fellow, you alluded to it a little bit, but it's it's the question of you ain't played nobody yet. You know, you you look at the the schedule. You look at the the guy, the the, the teams, the offenses in particular that the Ravens have faced. You, you got Houston with C.J. Stroud in his first career start. You got the Bengals in the midst of Joe Burrow's injury, where he clearly wasn't one hundred percent. You got Indianapolis, who uh, was that the Dor- what, Dorian Thompson Robinson game, or, or am I thinking that's, the, no? That was Gardner that, Minshew. That was, a, that was Gardner Minshew, and then Cleveland. You played him, DTR, mm-hmm. um, Pittsburgh, horrible offense in particular, um, and then Tennessee. Careful. Oh, careful. Uh, Malik Wills. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, you, you can only obviously, you know, go against the teams that are in front of you, but is, is, I guess, given that now you are facing a top five offense by most measures, does this feel like a litmus test? Does it feel like, is there, is there any bit of like wavering of confidence in this unit? I guess. I would say no, there's no wavering of confidence because these guys uh, have played excellently. And, you know, when you go up against inferior competition, you have to not just 
beat them, but beat them soundly. And the Ravens defense has done that. They're number one in the NFL with sacks, uh, you know, and that's something that going into the season, that was one of the biggest concerns was the Ravens pass rush. Well, they have 11 different guys with sacks right now. And, uh, and that spans from the defensive line to outside linebackers to inside linebackers. I mean, the Ravens are flying in with everybody and taking care of business. So uh, it's not a wavering of confidence, but a, a thousand percent. I hate saying that front sentence, but uh, full, full. Well, this is the litmus test. Can you contend with a, a team that is on your level? offensively to your defense and this is uh, a big game for the Ravens in that sense that you know Mike McDonald has schemed really well against the first six opponents but now it's uh it's a real deal situation what are you going to do well Jeremy I think what's most interesting about this matchup right is that we're not anticipating David Montgomery playing hopefully the Lions can get Jameer Gibbs back out on the field and they can, you know, have him kind of let his hair down and and do a little bit more as we kind of saw in the Atlanta game this year where he got the the bulk of the the workload, especially in carries. Um, but Kyle, I guess my question for you is this Ravens run defense, um, you know, not not maybe not the strength of their defense, but pretty, pretty darn sound. I mean, allowing just 4.0 yards per carry. They've only given up one rushing touchdown. Um, and, and I mean, to be honest, I think like maybe the majority of those yards came on a Derrick Henry run last year or uh, last week in, in London. So like, tell us a little bit about the, the Ravens run defense. Um, do you think that, you know, this Lions run offense is, is really gap sound in terms of their, their their approach and they want to beat you between the tackles and they want to run up the middle and they want to kind of out physical you, so to speak. Have the Ravens kind of, did they run up against that last week in Tennessee and maybe there was a little bit of kind of bend don't break? Before the 64 yard rush by Derrick Henry, the Ravens were allowing fewer than one yards per carry on uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, they were completely swarming. They understood the assignment and and know that wherever the ball is going in his arms, you you take him to the ground, you beat him, and you beat the offensive line. You have to get through the offensive line because you can't allow him to get up to full speed. I think you're going to see a lot of that with this Ravens defensive front. And like you mentioned, that if they want to try and beat the Ravens between the tackles, it's a very hard assignment to do because the Ravens have a lot of big, talented players. Michael Pierce is a monster of a man. His nickname is Juggernaut. He's got a ta- he's got X Men juggernaut tattooed on his leg he's a big fella um and and he's equal parts pass rusher and run stopper and he's damn good at both of them so uh it's gonna be tough to get through there and when you do you still have justin matabike broderick washington sophomore uh travis jones and then Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith are the best inside linebacker duo in the NFL. They say it outwardly when we ask them if they believe this. They say it each time because Roquan Smith is a multi-all-pro inside linebacker, and Patrick Queen is just continually progressed and proven that you know when you draft a guy in the first round, they and they don't immediately set expectations that they are not a bust. They have to develop, and some rookies take more time, especially a player that you know didn't play a lot of college ball like Queen had. He only, I believe, had uh, like seven, eight games on his resume because he he played with LSU and was in and out real quick as a starter. Anyways, excuse me, but um, the that duo is going to be really tough up against a really good running attack that likes to do the same. Like this is, these are two units that uh, love and relish uh, being physical. And uh, I think that might be one of the most fun aspects for Ravens fans and Lions fans to watch is who wants to go get it. Who's, who's got the grit, you know, all the, all the cliche phrases. Well, Jeremy, do you get a sense that Jameer Gibbs is up to that task? It's a good question. Um, I, 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 I don't want to say he's not, but I think the Lions might be just let's let's not play that game this week. Let's just not, Yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw them do it in the second half against the Bucks, right? And and in real time, right? Right. In real, yeah. They they had to they had to do it in halftime. They had to be like, you know what, the run game's not working this week. We got to bleed clock. We got to do it a different way. 
And that's not easy to do against a Bucks team that likes to blitz a ton, that, that gets a ton of sacks as well. It's not going to be easy to do that this week either against the team that with literally the most sacks in the league, a, a team that sends a lot of pressure as well. It's it's an interesting conundrum to be in, but Ben Johnson basically admitted last week, like, yeah, we we knew the run game wasn't working, so we abandoned it. Now, I think they can get more creative with the run game, but I think this whole like physical beat you up up the middle thing, I think that might leave with David Montgomery. I mean, they talk yeah. about how much yep. that is who they were. I think without him, they have to change a little bit who of who they are. And I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Last week, it was a bunch of screens that 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 turned out to be very effective against the Bucks. I, maybe Kyle, you can tell us like how how have the Ravens been against screen passes? Is that something that they are maybe a little bit vulnerable because they are such uh, an aggressive defense, or because there's so much athleticism on the field that that doesn't work against them? Yeah, it is more of the latter because of the speed of yeah. these inside linebackers, and uh, and like I said, they're really cerebral. They're a very smart defense. They understand rec- and recognize a lot. I think. Roquan Smith is is a guy that's addicted to playing football and and addicted to like the tape the like the, just the process of it and uh, him arriving last season at the trade deadline has translated this defense into more of this workhorse approach and and buying in approach that the Ravens uh, have worked on. And uh, I'm not saying that it's impossible to get past them. You know, that's definitely not what I'm saying. Uh, there's been some success on screens, but it's far and few between because the the defensive backs love to press up front. Uh, Marlon Humphrey is is a, a linebacker that's playing corner at times uh, just in his physicality and the bizarreness of having a cornerback with a jersey number 44. <laughs> but nope. But that's how he plays it. And uh, overall, that's just uh, the Ravens style. I mean, the, you're going to have to earn all of these yardages and uh, or you're going to have to really beat them. Yeah. And that can be uh, an Amon Ross St. Brown burner. That could be a hitch route from Jamison Williams. That could be a, all sorts of things that you can get home run hitters on them. But it's not going to be easy to do that. But right. I'm not saying they're invulnerable. Yeah, I, I am. I'm fascinated to, to see how the Lions treat the run game here. I think I, th- I think it's going to have to be some misdirection, some some outside stuff because because, yeah, they just I don't know if they have the personnel right now to to beat the Ravens up the middle. And I think they probably know that they might not. So um, we'll see there. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is all that pressure. You know, you, you mentioned all the, the laundry list of, of Ravens with sacks this year. Is that is that a matter of being aggressive? Are they one of the higher blitzing teams? Are all their guys just winning their one-on-ones? Um, how how have they been so good at generating pressure? Mike McDonald likes to simulate pressure. He likes to send an extra guy. Uh, Patrick Queen is one of the best, I think, delayed blitzing inside linebackers. That's something that he's just – he's so fast, and his technique with his hands and his arms uh, have really freed him up to perform – and, and generate pressures. He's he's second on the team with three and a half sacks. Uh, the only person with more is defensive lineman Justin Matabike, and he's tied with Jadevian Clowney, who got two sacks last week to put it at three and a half. So, an inside backer with three and a half sacks, uh, you know, through se- six weeks is impressive, and and yeah. uh, that's something that the Ravens love. They want to confuse defenses. They want to send a corner, uh, you know, uh, or a nickel from time to time. They want to put. Uh, Kyle Hamilton in the slot as a as a big nickel and to blitz him off of the edge that was really successful in uh, against the the Colts. Uh, he had I believe three sacks on that or two and a half or something of the sort. Like that's something that this defense really likes and finds a lot of advantages on. Uh, but yes, there are times where it it bites them. Uh, the Steelers kind of said it out loud when uh, George Pickens uh, caught the. Uh, the the forty one yard game winning touchdown over Marlon Humphrey. They knew in in late in the game in that situation, middle of the field, that they the Ravens have a tendency to go cover zero. Yeah, and you saw Kenny Pickett call out for an audible. They got the look that they wanted, and they sent George you know Pickens on a on a one on one against Humphrey, uh, and Pickens has had Humphrey as kind of uh he's he's 
big big brothered him a few times in their meetings at least on at Heinz Field and he did so again so the that's an area that the Ravens like to send a lot and be aggressive uh when I you know when I when Mike McDonald was originally hired I asked him about you know the transition between Don Wink Martindale's defense and what he is because he was under Wink Martindale's program before he went to Michigan and came back he was originally with the Ravens he was a linebackers coach and I asked like what is going to change stylistically and he said a lot of it is the same and pressuring quarterbacks and being the ones to push the envelope is always what they are focused on they don't want to be the ones that have to react uh if if they can have a, a choice in it as defenders all right i think it's time to get to the prediction portion i was trying to look up a quote i thought ben johnson called him baby wink martindale but he, he called him it. something yeah. like that um but anyways uh let's get to the prediction portion in which we call the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction about sunday's game doesn't have to be a game prediction doesn't i'm doesn't, i'm sorry doesn't have to be a record prediction it doesn't have to be a prediction about the game don't make a prediction about the weather to be clear uh but it doesn't have to be wins losses doesn't have to be score just any aspect of the game that you're confident is going to happen. Ryan and I like to get a little spicy with it just to make things interesting. So Ryan, as always, you're going first. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions Ravens? I think the one thing that I know about Lions Ravens is this game. I I think with this game, you're going to learn more about the Lions than you have in any other game that they've played so far this year. Another litmus test game. Yeah. I mean, it keeps on happening every week, right? (laughs) At at some point you have to say like, no, but um, here's what I mean. Earlier, you know, we we talked about David Montgomery. I I think we've kind of spoke ad nauseum about how essential he is to the vision of this lions offense. Right. I think last week we saw the lions react in real time and create a game plan in which they felt comfortable enough to attack the Bucks in a specific way. I think this week, again, you get a Ravens defense that I think is, I honestly think that they're a better unit than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and I don't think that's a stretch to say, but I think what you're going to learn about the Lions this week is who can the Lions be when, when they have to, essentially, I think almost kind of abandoned the run from the beginning of the game, right? Like, I, I think what we saw in the second half against the Bucks last week was kind of magical in, in certain respects, right? Like, I think that long, like, seven-minute drive in the fourth quarter where Goff was connecting with Amon Ra and the offense was moving and they could keep bleeding clock and they had a lead, right? Well, they had a lead. What happens when that's 0-0, zero, zero, right? What happens when your identity is... We want to out physical you. We want to we want to punish you on the on you know on the ground. How does how does that look when it starts zero zero with fifteen minutes on the clock in the first quarter? So I think that you're going to learn a lot about how malleable is this offense from week to week. When I mean David Montgomery, let's face it, right? He's a guy who has I mean he struggled with injuries in the past in Chicago. Like this isn't new to to who he is in terms of his track record as a player we love him when he's on the field right when he's not on the field what does this offense look like from you know from start to finish i'm not sure there was a prediction in there nope it was a question (laughs) because i'll here here's my prediction i yeah i don't think the lions win this game oh no wow okay there there's your prediction i i'm sorry i asked (laughs) <laughs> yeah right you didn't uh, want to hear it <laughs> i didn't I, I i i heard where you were going there i i felt it uh all right kyle who is who's fist pumping while muted what is the one thing you think you know about lions ravens the winner of this game will be the talk of the week on the is this team for real <laughs> have they done enough to prove they're real i mean if the if the Detroit Lions come out on top, they're six and one, and they and they're going to the, the Super top, Bowl. <laughs> and they, uh, they're, they're one of the top ranked defenses, and 
they will be the preachings and the talkings of pundits for a full week. If the Ravens come out on top, it will be, have the Ravens turned the corner? Are they for real now? Because they've beat up on some tomato cans, and now they have a chance to go up against a superior opponent in regards to who they've been playing all season, and uh, that will be it. If you want a more specific I do, because uh, that, that feels like you're predicting what the media is going to do. That's boring. Tell me what's going to happen on game day, Kyle. Justin Tucker will be involved. Oh, my God. Um, okay. In no, some regard. No, nope. I'm not saying he's going to do something insane as per usual, as per what we've witnessed. But there's going to be a 50 yard field goal at some point in this game that is going to be an infuriating three point difference in the score. That's all there is to it. Tucker is going to be involved. And I know you hate that, but, and I, and like, I'm not saying it from uh, the mocking tones that I've given you guys previously. This is like (laughs) actual, like Justin Tucker is a difference maker in close games. Having an accurate kicker is the difference maker and special teams is the difference maker in close contests, especially when you have a guy that, you know, is the only guy to have 90% accuracy in NFL history. It, and know, it's I, it's I, it's especially important when your team sucks in the red zone like they did last week. Exactly. <laughs> All right, try and turn it around there. Uh, Brilliant. I was I was gonna go kind of negative with my prediction too. I was gonna say the lion streak of twenty point games ends this week, but I'm going against that. I you guys have brought too much negativity to this, so okay. I am going to say. Jameer Gibbs finishes with a hundred total yards, not just rushing, rushing, receiving. I think he steps up. to. I mean, I don't think we're talking enough about Jameer Gibbs. And listen, when they didn't have Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs was the lead guy, what do you have? 80 rushing yards. He was fine. And and granted, a lot of that came at the end of the game. But what did they do? They had that kind of physical grind you out end of the football game. It's not going to be easy this week. It's going to be a lot harder against Baltimore than it was Atlanta, but I think, I think this, I think Jameer Gibbs, they, they've kind of ramped him up here. I think he's healthy enough. I think the opportunity is going to be there. He is going to be one of the centerpieces of the offensive game plan this week. And he gets over hundred yards this week. Boom. That is about it here. But before we go, we always like to give our guests an opportunity to plug their stuff maybe tell us about stuff we can see on their website that might interest Lions fans before and after the game. What you got, Kyle? Where can we find you? What can we read? I think it's garbage. You guys don't do three segments and the third one's about special teams. You guys have a great punter, don't you? Are you, are you trying to get your mic cut? What's happening? You guys guys are special teams. You you have a pretty darn good punter, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I don't know. We don't punt the ball. he, He got a game ball last week. We don't need Jeremy, to talk. I heard about Jeremy, that. I heard Jeremy lose his listen, damn mind about listen, it. Listen, I might have this plaque, but it doesn't mean I believe it. All right. Jeremy's favorite coach on staff is Dave Fipp. Dave Fipp is a riot. <laughs> I wish he coached a, in a, a unit that mattered. Oh, my God. Kyle, sorry for my friend's <laughs> unprofessionalism. Can you please just tell the people where they can read five questions on Pride of Detroit? <laughs> You can read five <laughs> questions on prideofdetroit.com. You can read Kyle Phoenix's work on prideofdetroit.com. Check it on out. It's wonderful. Great answers. Pretty much half rehashed what I said on that on here. <laughs> so it's wonderful, but more uh, structured and poetic because I am a phenomenal speaker, but I'm an even greater writer. I'm also the most humble. But where you can read the work of my staffs, my wonderful staffs and myself is on baltimorebeatdown.com. If you want to read post-game coverage, uh, next day, a- after every game day, uh, I consolidate all of the content covering the Baltimore Ravens, and I put it on an article on baltimoreravens.com. It's under the article tab, Late for Work. 
that's what it's called late for work and it'll be dated the uh on the monday following so it's a really fun article that i get to cover for the ravens uh i've been doing that for a little over two years you can check out my work at kyle p barber on twitter that's the only name i'm calling it by and uh if you happen to live in montgomery county maryland and you're interested in high school sports in montgomery county I have recently taken up a freelancer gig covering high school sports for moco360.media. Uh, I watched uh, Good Council Falcons play some field hockey yesterday when I drove all the way from Baltimore Ravens training facility to Arlington, Virginia. And I go watch them win in overtime. Uh, the really? week before, the week before, I watched Gideon Atuka, who is a running back who is committed to Wisconsin, rush for 306 yards and four touchdowns against the Seneca Valley Screaming Eagles. Do you know and, what this is uh, called, Jeremy? This is, <laughs> What's this that? Is, this is real GD journalism. Right? This is, this is fee- uh, what do you call it? Preps? Yes. This is, this they is, call it preps. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to start calling it preps, but that's what they call it. <laughs> I somehow got to skip that step. Um. I skipped because, it. Because now I have I to go back to it. <laughs> I skipped getting the degree. I skipped yeah. preps. I went straight to Baltimore. Like I was 22 years old and I was in the Ravens facility. And then John Harbaugh walked in, they shut the door and like, all right, we have our meeting. And I was like, I'm just a kid from Wyoming. Who the <laughs> fuck let me in here? Whoa. Like, <laughs> What is happening? I was terrified. So, and then they're like, "Yeah." So, to go any further, uh, people don't take Baltimore beat down seriously because it's uh, it's a blog. So, uh, you should probably get a college degree because every time everybody was like, "Yeah, what school did you go to?" Campbell County High School in Gillette, Wyoming. <laughs> wow, you are- now I get to say Colorado State, not a big deal or anything. It's state school, it's chill. And uh, now I'm now I'm going the classic grind. I'm I'm in I'm covering preps, and it's super fun. Also. Uh, NFL players, they're okay to talk to you. I think Jeremy's experienced this. They'll, they'll talk to you. They'll entertain you. These kids are awesome, man. They're nice. I enjoy it. They want uh, their stories told. Am I annoying you guys enough yet? Just, talking just, about my stuff? Is this speaking, too long of a vlog? Speaking oh, about are. stories told, if you want to write the autobiography on Kyle Barber, you are halfway done now. Um, <laughs> Kyle? So I was once working in a coal mine in Gillette, <laughs> no, Wyoming, right, North no. Antelope Rochelle mine. That's it was negative know, fifty-five degrees. All right, I know that's Strap actually it. a true story too. That isn't just you. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Kyle, I think we're going to close things out there because we're going off the rails here. Um, but if you want more of this conversation, you should always join us live on Twitch because we have these sort of conversations during our breaks. You can watch a replay of this podcast where we talk more about weird stuff like coal mining, I guess, um, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> But we're going to call it there. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back after the game. Madden Sim happening on Saturday morning if you want to join us on Twitch. But until then, for Ryan, for Kyle, for Artemis, Kyle's cat, we'll see you star side. Just kidding. No. I don't know why I said that. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just got I just got inhabited by the spirit of Chris. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>